though I believe the verses are on the screen, I didn't intentionally leave the whole verse on there. And uh, we've already stood for the reading of the Word of God this morning, no need to stand again uh, in doing so. But in Mark chapter 6 and in verse 53, the Bible says, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through that whole region round about. Began to carry about in beds those that were sick, and and uh, where they heard he was, and whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Father, I pray, dear God, you would help us now that we would hear from you. Lord, bless and touch and anoint your sermon today. Dear Lord, I pray that your word would be uh, full in our hearts and our mind, that we would be convicted to our souls. Dear God, help us make a change in our lives and draw closer to you. And Father, help us, Lord, reflect Jesus Christ in this world today, no matter where we are. I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us be that reflective image of who and what our Lord and Savior is to us and what he is in reality, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We find two sets of people here, two they's, if you will, in the Holy Scripture. And verse 54 begins with saying, And when they were come out of the ship, we know this is the disciples along with the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But from, from this point forward, when it says they knew him, uh, that was the people of the region. Uh, it says, and he ran and ran through the whole region round about, began to carry about in a, the beds those that were sick. And, and it says, where they heard he was. Again, that's the same they that knew him in verse 54. And, and again, you go down in verse 56, and whithersoever he entered into villages and cities and country, they, that's the same people, the people of the region, the people of the area, laid the sick in the streets and besought him that, here we go again, they might touch. Now that they, if you will, are those that were sick. The they who knew him in verse 54 and verse 55 were those who went throughout the region, the city, the towns, the villages, to proclaim that Jesus was come, that he was there. But this final they that you find in verse 56 says that they might touch, if it were, the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Those are the ones who are in need of healing, in need of a touch from the Savior, a touch from the Master. But even if they were just to touch the border of his garment, they believed that he would be healed. And we know where they got that from, the woman of the issue of blood for 12 years. She had believed in all of her heart that if she would just touch the hem of his garment, she would be made whole, and that's exactly what happened. And I believe in all of my heart that her testimony ran through, that, and it ran all the way into these cities, into Gennesaret, that they heard the testimony that a woman who had spent all she had to be healed, all she did was touch the hem of his garment, and she was made whole. Beloved, the fame of Jesus Christ spread throughout the region in exponential form. And I want you to remember something real quickly with me this morning, that our Lord's ministry was only three and a half years. It wasn't, it wasn't long. I mean, you've got to think about it. Our church has been planted here over twice as long as the Lord ministered on this earth, physically, if you will. 
I mean, you know, our country here is thousands of years old. Jesus Christ only walked this earth ministering for three and a half years. And my soul, what was accomplished in those three and a half years? And it had only been half of that three and a half years by the time he comes to Genesaret. And yet people knew him. People heard of him. And it's much like most of our world today, our first world countries today. Most people have access to the internet. They have access to the the television, to a phone, I mean a radio. They have access to something in first world countries. Now guys, believe it or not, there are still places in the world today that does not have access to those. There are still places, if you can absolutely believe it, there are places in our world who are disconnected from the rest of the world. I'm a little envious of those sometimes, if you want to know the truth. Man, I tell you, what it was like in the days when you had to actually wait until you got back home to return a phone call. Yeah, I thought we were big time when we got an answer machine. You guys remember your first answer machine? I do. I remember our first answer machine. I remember my first answer machine. My parents had, for a birthday one year, had put my own phone in my, my room, had my own line, and then I got my own answer machine. I thought that was big time. Didn't know you were supposed to erase all that thing. Had probably a year's worth of messages on that tape front and back one time. And I found a button on there that said erase. I said, oh, okay. And I erased it. But do you remember the days when we were disconnected? Or the days when, when, you know, if hey, listen, I'll give you a ring later on. And you say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later on. And then later on was hours afterwards, right? You got home and, hey, BJ, uh, give me a call real quick when you have a chance. Not right now, this second. We're not like that anymore, are we? We send text messages and they're immediate and we expect an immediate response. And I understand it's the culture we live in. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not browbeating it. But, buddy, we are highly connected in this world. And yet there are still people in the world today, somewhere, this morning, as you and I meet in this church, that they're meeting underneath the tree, they're meeting underneath the shed, they're meeting underneath the three-walled building, they're having church, they're singing praises unto God, the preacher's beating the pulpit and preaching his heart out, and nobody even knows what they're doing. There's no Facebook, there's no YouTube, there's no SermonAudio.com, there's no Twitter, there's none, there's none of it. They're just serving God and praising Jesus and winning people to Christ, and not one soul on the planet is aware of it. And we in our first world countries, we pick and choose what we're going to do. Amen? I'll catch it online. I'll catch up later. It's, it, it's an area, guys, that I believe our, our prosperity, our comfort is wrecking our Christianity. People see casual Christianity, and guess what? They don't want anything to do with casual Christianity. Casual Christianity is non-convicting Christianity. It's true, isn't it? I know a guy in Kenya that we supported for ages when we were in our first church. And uh, when one of the prime ministers came into power, he lost one of Obama's connections, by the way. He lost all of his property, his farm. They burned it down. They ran his family out. 
and uh, he came in the church one time. He, somebody was talking about the, the votes, the politics at the end of this missions conference, end of the church that night. He, he had left his little display he had, and he'd come back in and grabbed it to go jump in the van, and he heard someone say Obama. And he turned around, and he says, you vote Obama, you burn my house. And he walked out the door. And I said, well, ain't nobody in this church voting for Obama, amen. But anyway, that old boy, uh, that old boy, Brother Karanja, that was his name. That old boy's church met on Sunday morning underneath a tree out in the bush. Big tree, mind you. Three to four hundred people plus just within the first hour. And by the time the second hour approached, no sermon yet, by the way, he'd run five to 550 people. And by the time he got preaching for about 60 to 70 minutes, maybe 700 would be there. People would get saved, born again. People would get on fire. Lives would change. Families would reunite. They would connect. And then they would break for, for a lunch on the grounds that they would all cook on an open fire there and have just a little bit for everyone. And then they would have another service right afterwards. Can I tell you what they did on the Sunday? They came to worship in spirit and truth. There is no, I'll catch it later. There is no, guys, I'm not against the internet. Don't get me wrong. We are all internet up. We are connected as it can be. And I'm thankful for it because we reached thousands of people that way. Praise God for it. But there's a difference when Jesus Christ touches you in your life beyond salvation. And those men and women that are meeting today, those men, women, and children that are meeting that we will never in our life on this planet ever hear of, we will not know their names. We will not know what they do. We will not know their families. We will not know the numbers of their churches. We will know nothing until glory one day. They got a touch from Jesus Christ somewhere along the way. And guys, nobody knows about it here, but I'll tell you who does know about it. The man sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father, Jesus Christ, who died for them and you, he knows about it, amen. And they're not to shake us to our core. Get touched by Jesus Christ. Make a difference in your life. I don't want to hear excuses. I'm not in the mood for excuses today, and frankly, I'm never in the mood for excuses. Most of the people in our world who are connected, and guys, I, I know how many people listen to our sermons, so I know the thousands every month who have heard the name of Jesus Christ, and, and our sermons are reaching places like in China and Pakistan and Iraq where they don't have the liberty of, of church, church services like we do, and praise God for it. But much of the world today has, has heard of the name of Jesus. They've heard of what he's done. And they've even heard what he will do, and yet, they're only stories to many. They're only words of tales and events to believe or not to believe. And so as it goes in our society today. In Genesaret, I, you know, I know we have the eternal record here, and praise God for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, that he moved and, and recorded this event right here. But guys, I love this. I, 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 in my mind, I think this. If you were to take the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God away, all right, 
for the preserved record. And here's what I mean. This event that happened when they heard of Jesus Christ, we only know about it because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. If you took that away today, like the other many events that Jesus Christ did that John said, I suppose the whole world could not even contain the books that were written in them. We would never know the theys that went through and proclaimed that Jesus was there so the theys could touch him and be healed. We'd never know about it, but it still happened. Amen. It still occurred disconnected society they're connected by the holy spirit and the eternal record and praise god that we know it today so that we can be convicted amen because of the ease of our life we are without excuse today but our world this morning they've heard of jesus our community here has heard of jesus our country has heard of jesus they don't know him and they haven't been touched by him and i'm going to tell you i think most of the people sitting in the church house in our surrounding area right now they've never been touched by jesus day in their life they're going through the motions. In Genesaret, throughout that region, there was a massive difference than someone uh, in our day, in our age, just getting offended by a Facebook post and, uh, about Jesus Christ. This is a different group of people here. Ah, so, I'm telling you, I love the written record. I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. I can see their zeal, their excitement. I can see their desperation. I can see their dire need. I can see it all in these pages. But what I would do to be able to flip a screen on and really see what their faces look like. Really see the water pots and the bags and the food dropped out of the way when they saw him coming and they went to get mom and dad and they went to get aunt and uncle and they went to get son and daughter to get them in the streets, amen. My soul, I would love to say. I hope, I'm telling you, and I know this is a pipe dream. The way my brain, my brain works with all thousands of, of of like little monitors in my head. And I see things throughout the course of my lifetime and it, re it records there. And I can go back 30, 40 years and I can pull it up and just as if it's yesterday. But you know what I hope and pray? I really, really hope when we get to heaven that there's a big old screen up there that we can see these things for real, amen. That's what I want, because it's gonna prove a lot of us wrong on what we thought, number one. Number two, just to experience that zeal and that praise and that glory. You know, angels desire to look upon what you and I get to experience in eternal salvation. They desire to see what repentance is like. They desire to see a soul come to Christ and praise God. They desire to see it by way of experience. That's their desire. And they don't get that. An angel's one and done. An angel, if, when an angel falls, he's gone. No repentance, no forgiveness, he's over with. I want you to notice with me first, please. Notice this here this morning. The first thing that we find in our, our verses is that they recognized that Jesus was recognized. Verse 53 and 54 says, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship straightway, man, they knew him. They saw Jesus Christ when he came off the ship and knew him for who he was. He was someone recognized by them. And the word recognized is defined as to identify from having an encounter with or to know again, or to know again. Someone, if not many, saw Jesus, recognized him of who he was and what he could or and would do, and they testified of the truth throughout that region. They testified of the truth throughout that region. 
And I don't read, I don't read, I don't read of anyone sitting back complaining about their rights of being abused or someone pushing their belief on them or, or, or feeling offended because of uh, uh, their feelings of who Jesus was or wasn't considered what. I don't read any of that. And they recognized him straight away. And brother, there was a great difference here. As soon as Jesus was seen, they knew. It didn't take a couple of seconds. And I can kind of say this to you this morning. Listen carefully to what I'm getting ready to say. When you see Jesus, it will make a difference in your life. When you see Jesus, it'll make a difference in your life. The Bible tells me in John chapter 20, 20, and remember this is our theme verse for the lockdown, not on purpose. And it says that when he, had, when he had so said, he showed it to them, his hands and his sides. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. It was Jeremiah who said, mine eye affecteth my heart. Now, I'm not speaking to you this morning, the body of Christ, about a visual seeing of Jesus. And I don't mean to pop your bubble or anyone online today. I, actually, let me correct that. I do mean to pop your bubble. It's on purpose. I'm doing it. Here we go. You are not going to see Jesus Christ visually for him to prove yourself, himself to you. That will never happen. Amen? The last person Jesus Christ appeared to was in the last decade of the first century, and it was the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, okay? And he gave the revelation of Jesus Christ to him, the final book of the Bible that completed everything, that which is perfect has come, and Jesus sat down. He's not going to walk into your bedroom. You're not going to see him in a locker room. You're not going to, you're not going, that does not happen today because it's unneeded. Why? Because that which is perfect has come, the word of God. I'm not even going to argue that point. I'm not even going to debate that point with anyone because it's Bible. Don't come to me and say, well, I don't care, all right? It doesn't happen. There's people down the street here that believe that, and they're cooking, they're, they're nutty in an almond tree, all right? But I'll tell you what you will see. Seeing him in the path of your walk, that's a beautiful thing. We talked about the shadow of your life that you're casting behind. When people see Jesus in the shadow of your life that you're leaving behind, that's what we're talking about today. Seeing him in the pages of his word. Oh, my soul, it doesn't get any better than that. Seeing him in predicaments in your works, your problems, in your ways. I ask you this, guys, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Jesus walk through the door and say, hey, I am Jesus of Nazareth, believe on me? Or would you rather see him when problems arise? Would you rather feel him in your heart and your life, leading, guiding, guarding, protecting you? Or would you rather just get a glimpse of him physically one time and then it's done? You see, my friend, there was a difference when they saw Jesus. When the situations of life rolling in daily, this is where we see Jesus. This is where we come to know him. Many of you know that I was involved in a 
uh, a, a severe motor vehicle accident when I was 19 years old, six months after I was saved. I went into a firewall and a windscreen at 100 and something miles an hour, dislocated my left hook, cut everything, uh, my left hip, cut everything up to bits and bobs and all this and that, and I was the least injured in the entire accident except for the guy that hit us head on. My hip was, was, was dead. It was avascular necrotic for seven months. At the age of 20 years old, I was scheduled for a total hip replacement. You guys have heard this story, I'm sure. And within a three-week period of that surgery being scheduled, that operation, the doc said, hey, listen, let's get one more MRI. And we got one more MRI and on a Friday, and Mom and I went into the doctor's office on a Monday. And he walked in, Dr. Gardner did, and he addressed my mother, not me, for whatever reason. He says, Miss Stagner, he says, the only, re the only thing that I can explain here is the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ has come down and touched your son's hip. He, he put the three weeks prior MRI on the, on the board, and you could see the darkness, the deadness of the femoral head, and then he put the, previous, the, the, the latest one from Friday on the board. White as all get out, healed. That doesn't happen. Matter of fact, in Dr. Gardner's experience, it's never happened. You say, why am I saying that? Guys, there was a problem. There was a predicament in my life that was going to change in my direction. And for whatever reason, God went down and healed that thing. You know, I always just wanted to, I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to get back out on the, on the field and play. God doesn't care about football. What he cares about was proving himself. He goes, look, I'm here. I'm going to heal this thing. 25 years from now, you're going, to have, you're going to be in a situation, and you're going to have to know that I'm still here, and I will still heal. Amen. Beloved, our world has heard of Jesus. And I realize that the, the, the stats tell us that 67% of the world's population I have never heard of the name of Jesus. When 30 million people we know will die this year alone, never hearing, uh, never hearing of who Jesus is. And that may sound strange in a world where nearly every event is instantaneously recorded, uploaded, reported online. I understand that. But there's still billions in the world today who have not access to the Internet. And I get that. But there's also 2.4 billion people today who have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and yet are not interested in being saved or born again. Yeah, there's 67% who won't ever hear. There's 30 million this year who die never hearing of Jesus Christ, which is our fault as a church. But there's 2.4 billion living in the world with the knowledge of Jesus and choose not to accept it. So what I do know this morning in this world, if one has access to the internet, I understand the name of Jesus is going to pop up once or twice, and, and yet people still do not know him. They do not recognize him for who and what he is, and that's where the difference is made. Recognizing Jesus for who and what he is, especially what he has done. Beloved, when you see Jesus, and I mean really see him in your heart, It'll make a difference in your life. When you come to know him, it will make a difference like none other. But not only a difference in your life, it'll make a difference in the lives of others. They recognize Jesus for who and what he was. If we're reflecting Jesus Christ for who and what he is, our life should make a difference in the life. We should have an impact on those around us. And I ask you this morning, when the world sees you, when someone sees you, is there an impact made? Is there a difference made? These people knew him. They recognized him. 
Notice with me in verse 55, not only did they recognize him, but they ran to him. They ran to him. The Bible says and ran through the whole region, or they, I'm sorry, they ran. They ran through the whole region about and, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where, where they heard he was. Beloved, seeing Jesus caused a response so great in their life that they began to run and to send for sick folk to bring where Jesus was going to be. But they did not, guess, listen, they did not do it with mediocre actions. They didn't just go through the motions. They ran throughout the region, and do you know why? Well, first, they recognized Jesus. That's why. But not only did they recognize Jesus, they realized, point number three, they realized that they had a shortness of time. You see, there was something, there were some things they knew about Jesus. They knew he would heal. They knew he could heal. They knew he could save. They knew, he, they knew all these things about him, what they had heard. But this third reason was key. They ran because they knew that Jesus was, listen to these next two words, passing through. Jesus wasn't come to set up camp. His reputation for preaching and healing in multiple villages and throughout countries or throughout the country was well known. But these people also saw uh, when they sent for sick folk and sick loved ones, they understood two things about Jesus. Number one, Jesus was the only one who could heal them. But number two, that he would only be there for a limited amount of time. Beloved, they realized their situation was dire. They realized that time was short, and therefore they took off and they ran. They understood there is a small window of opportunity in our lifetime to do two things. Number one, come to know Jesus for who and what he is. And number two, bring others in need of the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the two things that we need to understand today, the shortness of our life. James 4, verse 14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. There should be a sense of urgency in our life. There should be an attitude of immediacy, not arrogancy, but immediacy. There should be an outward act of expectancy because Jesus is offering his healing, his cleanses, his redemptive act of forgiveness now, but it may not be here tomorrow. That's why Paul tells us, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation, I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What are we waiting on? Everywhere Jesus went, people were made whole. Every place, every town, every village, even in the places where there were only a few believed, still people were saved. But again, I say to you, his reputation was clear. He rarely stayed in one place too long. The recognition turned to running because this fact was realized, my friend. Beloved Paul said in Romans 13, 11, he says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe, or when we believe. I hear so often, many a times, of, uh, man, we know the Lord's coming back soon. The Lord's coming back soon. Boy, I know he's coming back soon. He, and I, Hey, listen, that's called uh, the, 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 the doctrine of the imminency of Christ, and we should believe that way. We should live and believe as if he's coming back right this second, and then the next second. And that should be our life. But if that is our life, if that is our life, we will be living with a sense of urgency. We wouldn't put off today what some things you can't do tomorrow. 
My dad always told me, don't put off to, uh, for today for tomorrow. Don't put off today to do it tomorrow. You know, sometimes, guys, we put things off today, and we won't be allowed to do them tomorrow. I can remember feeling like I needed to call someone, friends or old preacher friends. And I'd say, you know what, I'll, I'll give them a call next, I'll, I'll ring them next week. Next week will come, busyness of the schedule, busyness of the life. I'll, I'll, give them, I'll give them a ring next week. And I'd go on for a couple of weeks, and the next thing you know, I'll get a message that so-and-so has passed away. I can't ring them now, and that's my fault. So what do we have so far? We have a Savior who was recognized. We have a society who ran, and we have a situation which was realized. So lastly, this morning, I want us to examine the results. What are the results, my friend? The Bible tells me in verse 56, and whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him, remain whole. Let's put it into church age lingo, guys. People got saved. Jesus Christ was saving folk throughout the region. He was saving people, and he's saving people today. But look a little closer to the verse with me. And as many as touched him remain whole. If you, want, if you write or underscore in your Bible, and you should, you need to circle, highlight, do whatever you got to do, and as many as touched him were made whole. Because there's a bit of an inclination here. And as many. The inclination here would be that there were some, possibly many, who were present that day. They were in the crowd. They recognized Jesus. They even ran for Jesus. They even realized the shortness of time. And yet they still were not made whole. Why? Because he simply did not touch his Savior. They didn't touch him. Maybe even though they could see him, they perceived not. Maybe even though they could hear, they understood not. Maybe even though they were in the midst, they were in the crowd, they were in the mix, knowing full well of their need, and yet their hearts were distant. Their mind was distracted. And their reception of who and what Jesus Christ is was deterred. Let that sink in for just a moment this morning. With everything going on in the towns and the cities and the villages, the sick folk laid out in the streets an arm's length away from the hem of Christ's garment. And as many as touched him, the inclination is not all touched him. And as many. Paul says this in Romans 5 8. He says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, commendeth his love. That statement simply means to introduce or to offer. The Lord did not force himself upon the people in Genesaret, and he's not going to force himself upon the people in Abiramon. 
He did not force himself upon the people in Capernaum, and he is not going to force himself on the people in Cardiff. But as many as touched him were made whole. He's going to offer in your choices to accept. Often he's going to do this in a short window of time. You guys have all probably heard me preach the sermon. I've preached it a few times over the last decade or so here in the country, both visiting and after we moved, uh, about God's deadline or finish line. Which one will you cross? There's a finish line for every believer in the world today. Paul said, I have finished my course with joy. You're going to finish yours? Or are you going to be found short? But for every soul in the world today, there's a deadline. R.G. Lee said there is a, an invisible line written across the course of the universe. We know not where it is, nor where it will be, but there's a deadline. Jesus Christ came into a village in a place, always for a short window, always a short time. He's going to offer and often it's a short window of time. And the results are left to those who are willing to be touched by the master. Beloved, the sweet psalmist said this in Psalm 116. He said, the sorrows of death compassed me. And the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto my, thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. So I'm going to ask you again this morning, beloved. You may be sitting here in the pews today saved as soundly and as surely as any other born-again Christian in this world today. When's the last time you got touched by the Master? When's the last time you, your heart was touched, that you allowed yourself to be touched so that you would be changed, so that you'd be conformed to the image of God Almighty today? You say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't be meddling in my life. I'm not meddling in your life. I'll tell you what he is, and he will. He's still offering that love, by the way. We always want to take Romans 5, 8. We want to take that and we want to turn that strictly to a, a soul winning verse. And it is. It's a soul winning verse. But I don't know about you. I'm very thankful this morning that his love didn't end with the day that I said I do. Those of you who are married out there, your love for your husband or for your wife did not end. I hope it didn't on the day that you said I do. It, I hope and pray that that love has, has grown exponentially throughout the years. And you haven't grown cold in that marriage. Let that, let that hit just a little bit there. You see, we're the bride, and he's the bridegroom. And that relationship, when we said, I do, Lord, I, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, I'm, I'm going to take the free gift that you're giving me for eternal life so that we can be together for all eternity. And then as time goes on, do we get cold in our relationship with the Lord? Do we get cold in our marriage to our spouse. You say, preacher, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. It's not Jesus Christ's responsibility to keep you warm. It's not your wife or your husband's responsibility to keep your marriage on fire and your love to grow. It's yours. 
It's your responsibility as a husband, and it's your responsibility as a wife. And as the church of the living God, it is our responsibility today to make sure we let that offer, the, con- the, the, the commending of God's love into our life every single day so that we may grow thereby, so that we may be continually made whole, so that we may grow in the name of the Lord, so that we may be part of the ones as many as touched him were made whole. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be in your house this morning. I pray, dear God, that you take your message, that you would touch your people, that you would bless them, dear God. I pray if there be anyone out there with an earshot this morning listening, whether it be online or, or Father, whether it be at a later date, dear God, that know you not as Lord and Savior, that you would allow the Holy Spirit of God to intervene in such a way that would convict their soul of their eternal destination, that a clear confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the acceptance of his free gift upon the cross, the burial, and the resurrection, which is the gospel, be made surely, they may be made soundly, that they may, have the, they may come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cleansing of sins, and the eternal security sealed by the Holy Spirit of power. Father, help us today. Help us to remember that initial touch, dear God, and help us this morning be touched by him through our allowance every single day. In Jesus' name.